You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. So this, this campaign is called Say Yes to Serve, right? And what we're, what we're doing throughout this month, um, starting now and through October, is really highlighting the different ministry areas here at Impact Church. And you guys get to say yes to serve in the area that God is calling you to serve in. And it coincides with this series, Doing Work, because what we're going to see in this series is that God has given us something to use for the kingdom. And we're going to see how Nehemiah was, was really burdened, and he turned that burden into action. And then he began to do work for the kingdom. Now, we just came off of a series where we said it's not about what we do, it's about what Jesus does, right? That was the entire uh, Sermon on the Mount, was we can't do it, Jesus can. Congratulations to us when we get to the place in our life where we realize that we are spiritually bankrupt and we need him. And then we see that he says, hey, be, be perfect, be holy, because I'm perfect and holy. And we realize, yeah, man, we can't do that. So what's the next option for us? And the only option is Jesus. The only option is the righteousness of God. And because we're, we get that, it's imputed upon us as children of God, we get to be called holy. And we say, hey, it's not about what we can do. It's not about how hard we can work. It's not about how much we do for Jesus. None of that matters if we don't know him. And then we're jumping into a series called Doing Work. And it's like, well, what are you talking about? You just had a series where you said it's not about what we do. And now we're going to have a series about doing stuff. So which one is it? And here's the answer. It's both. Because once we are infected with the gospel and with the grace of God, then it changes the way that we live life. And because we've been just infected with that gospel and that grace, we begin to do work for the kingdom. The doing work isn't to get us salvation. The doing work is because we've already received salvation. The doing work is because God has called all of us as his children to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All nations, to the ends of the earth, every single person, God has called us to do that, to do work. And we read this verse a couple weeks ago, but I want to read it again at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says this in verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. And then we see in the book of Nehemiah, and we're going to jump down to chapter 6 really quick, but this is really the, the verse of this series. It says, And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work. And my question for all of us is, are we doing a great work for the kingdom? If you think about your life, If you think about your day-to-day activities, are you working for the kingdom? And I'm, I'm prayerful and I'm hopeful through this series we'll begin to see that God has specifically called us to do something. 
that the Spirit has specifically given us gifts to use. And then I want us to realize whether we're using those gifts or not. And if we're not, I want us to begin to use those gifts, not for the sake of us, not for the sake of Impact Church, but for the sake of the kingdom and the gospel of Jesus. That's what it's all about. So we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to open it up, and there's going to be some, some big words. There's going to be some weird words. There's going to be some stuff you don't understand. I'm just telling you that up front. I'm going to break it down a little bit. I'm going to give you a little context, but it's, it's important, right? But I want us to focus on verse 4, but I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 just for some context. It says this in Nehemiah 1.1. 1, 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile was in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. Verse 4, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Let's pray. God, we just pray this morning that you speak through your spirit, that minds are changed, that hearts are changed, and that we realize what it is you've placed in our life, and we begin to work for the kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So really quick, we, we see some stuff. Chislev, Right, We see Susa. We see all kinds of words here that, that don't make a whole lot of sense. So I just want to break it down just so we get an idea of what's happening. See, Chislev is a month, and we don't have that month on our calendar. How many of you know what month Chislev is? Just raise your hand high. Great. I didn't either. So it's around November-ish, December-ish is when this was written. And it says in Susa, which is modern-day Iran. So let's think about this. So Nehemiah is writing this in the fall, winter, depending on, you know, what the weather's like. I don't know if we ever have a winter here in Georgia. But he's writing this November, December. He's in modern-day Iran. And what what's happening is his brother comes and he asks his brother, hey, how are things back home? And to understand the context of things back home, we have to realize that the, the people of Israel, they were overtaken by the Babylonians, and the Babylonians just destroyed their, their hometown. They destroyed it. They burned it down. They knocked all the buildings down, and they took the people captive. And then we see a little later that the Persians came in, and they took over the Babylonians, and they allowed the these people to return back home. And they said, hey, you can go back home if you want. And they went home, a few of them, the remnant that went back, and they tried to rebuild the city. And they rebuilt the temple as best they could, and that's all they got. They had the temple kind of built up. The walls were still burned down. The city was still destroyed. It was embarrassing. They were vulnerable to outside attacks. And Nehemiah saying, hey, how are the people back home, and his brother says, hey, they're not doing very good. The walls are still burned down. The gates are still destroyed. Everything is, is just open, and it's embarrassing for our people, and they're vulnerable to outside attacks. So here's some really bad news that Nehemiah 
gets. And I want you to think about some bad news that you hear in your life. Most of us, if we're honest, we scroll some type of social media platform, right? For some of us, it's Facebook. For some of us, it's Instagram. For some of us, it's TikTok, for whatever reason. For some people, it's Twitter. It's whatever, right? We all have our thing that we like to scroll, and there's always bad news. But let's just be real. There's always bad news somewhere. Somebody's hurting. Something happened here. This, we find out this about this person. This person, sometimes the bad news is for us because, again, we see everybody else's highlight reel, and we realize that we don't live that way, and we're like, what's wrong with us? We begin to compare, and our heart begins to hurt a little bit. And if you're like me, what happens is you're just like, man, you're scrolling through. Man, that's pretty sad. Maybe say a prayer for them. And then we just keep scrolling. Yeah, we, we understand that there are some, some bad things, but does it really break our heart? And that's the biggest question that you can answer today. What breaks your heart? And we're going to find out that the way that we can get to work, the way that we can do kingdom work, is first of all, I'm going to give you three quick points. Number one is this, receive the burden. We see that Nehemiah, when he heard this, it says in verse 4, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. So Nehemiah gets this news. It's, it's really bad news. It's really sad news. Nehemiah gets this, and he begins to mourn over the news of the people back home in his hometown. He lets the burden in. He receives the burden that God has placed on his heart, and he just lets it break his heart. And, and this is what I want to know about us in this room. Do we really allow stuff to break our heart? Do we get to a place where we allow it in enough to break our heart? Because I'm afraid if we really don't receive the burden, then we're not going to go forward in action. It takes us receiving the burden, allowing it to break our heart, and then going out and doing something about it. Nehemiah didn't start with action. He started with realizing and receiving the burden. Have you done that? What breaks your heart? We just heard, and maybe you couldn't hear the numbers in the video, but I'm going to I'm going to throw these numbers out to you again. There's a, there's a food pantry here in Harlem, Fishes and Loaves, and we partner with them as much as we can partner with them because they are doing kingdom work. They are serving the least of these. Those who don't have the same necessities that most of us have, they are serving them like crazy. And the numbers in August, they, they fed over 368 people in one month. And maybe you're here saying, man, Harlem doesn't really have that much homelessness. There's, that, there's really not much poverty. And I want you to understand that based off these numbers, the need is great in our area. 368 people, 57 of those were kids and 115 were senior citizens, which I like to call rock stars. Y'all should say amen, all the senior citizens. Here's the truth. Those numbers, for somebody in this room, those numbers should break your heart 
to know that we don't have to worry about where our next meal's coming from. And over 360 people in our community have to wonder, how am I going to eat? How am I going to feed my kids? How am I going to feed my parents? Those numbers should break somebody's heart in this room. And maybe not everybody, because God has given each one of us a specific burden and passion. My question is, do you allow the burden to break your heart? Maybe for some of you, it's to speak up for the unborn because you know that they need someone to speak up for them and that's your burden. Maybe for some of you, it's addiction and you just know how that goes. You know that lifestyle and you just have a burden for those who are, who are in bondage. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's uh, marriage and couples and you just have a burden to help other people strengthen their marriage. Maybe for some of you, it's grief. You know how it feels to lose a spouse or to lose a kid or to lose someone that you really care about. And you want to help other people who are dealing with grief. Maybe for some of you, your passion and your burden is when people are depressed or they're suffering with anxiety. I don't know what your burden is, but you do because the Spirit's already told you. And if you're like, man, I hadn't heard from the Spirit. The Spirit hadn't told me anything. I want you to know that if you're a child of God, if you have a relationship with Him, the Spirit has told you, you may just not be listening. Because we do that really well. You can ask my wife. I'm really good at not listening. I pretend like I'm listening. I can even repeat back some words. And I have no idea what she said. Any men like that? All right. Praise God that we have men that are consistent in this place. And the Spirit lets us know, because my burden is not your burden. What breaks your heart? Have you let it in? I'm going to tell you this morning what one of my biggest burdens is, is I grew up in church. And I grew up um, Southern Baptist Church, and people wore their, their suits and whatever else they could wear. And that's just how I grew up. We sang the hymns with the piano, maybe an organ, just depended if somebody knew how to play it or not. They usually didn't, but they tried anyway. And we just, we sang the hymns. Hymn 426 is Victory in Jesus. Man, it was my favorite hymn. Pastor Andrew won't do that hymn because it's not his favorite. And yes, I'm calling him out. So if y'all like victory in Jesus, y'all send him emails and texts and say y'all want to do that at Impact Church. But man, that's how I grew up. And man, I'm, I'm so thrilled and excited and I'm, I'm glad that I grew up in church. I learned uh, the, the Bible. I memorized Bible verses. I, I just, I knew it all, man. I was there all the time. Sunday school, Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, Wednesday night, Every fifth Sunday, Southern Gospel sing like I was there, right? I was at church. But something started to bother me about that church, and it was how Christians and church people began to look at people that weren't like them. How church people and Christians and even pastors had this judgmental spirit about them. And I made a decision when I was in high school that, man, if I ever had a church of my own, 
everybody would be welcome at that church. There's not going to be a, a crazy dress code. You're not going to have to look a certain way. You're not going to have to believe a certain way. We're going to teach the truth, and we're going to pray that the Spirit works, but we're going to welcome everyone, and we're going to love them. And here we are a lot of years later at Impact Church, and we do have a dress code, and it's that you wear something. And we're glad that people, they adhere to that dress code here. But man, this is a church for all people. We're a church where anyone is welcome to come in. We're a church where everybody should feel like they're at home. And it's because many, many, many years ago, and I really, when I was kind of, when I was studying this, I was like, well, I'm not going to say many years ago. I'm only 35. But then I started thinking back. And high school was many, many years ago for me now, right? Not for some of you, but for like for me and some of you longer than me. Praise God. I'm glad that you're here. We love you. You're rock stars. But man, many, many years ago, the spirit placed something in me, a burden that we would not treat people like second class citizens because they didn't wear a suit to church. And because maybe they came in five minutes late dragging three crying babies. And that's okay. We welcome crying babies here. Now they're back there, but we welcome them here. Because it's a burden that God placed on my heart. That we would be a church that would help all people know God's love, grow in God's love, and show God's love to the world. What is your burden and have you allowed it to break your heart some of you are sitting here right now and you know exactly what it is you know exactly what that burden is that the spirit has given you have you let it break your heart there's these commercials that come on tv well i don't watch tv anymore but i used to and i used to have to watch commercials right our kids don't even know what commercials are literally my kids will scream at me to hit the skip button because they don't want to watch these commercials. And I'm like, man, that's time to go to the bathroom. It's time to go get a snack. You got to run to beat the commercial so you get back in time. That's the fun part of growing up. And now we have kids that are like, skip, 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 skip. And they don't even know what real life is. They get to work and they want to hit skip buttons and there ain't no skip buttons at work. So this, that's just a parenting tip. Make them watch commercials. That's not what this is about. But, man, I remember seeing these commercials and these, these like homeless, or I guess they're in a shelter, these pets come up on the screen. And it's always that same song in the background. And you know the song. And man, it's just, yeah, that's sad. That little puppy looks so cute, so adorable. And then you, you, maybe you adopt that puppy and you realize that, yeah, he's cute, but he wasn't as adorable as the TV made him look. They didn't talk about the chewing and the biting. They didn't talk about any of that stuff. But they, man, they get you with those commercials. And sometimes it's homeless kids that just, they want you to send some money. And you just, yeah, it's sad. But a lot of times we're like, hey, I just want the game to come back on. It's sad, but I'm just going to keep scrolling and I'm not telling you that every single thing has to break your heart in the same way but I'm telling you that there's something that God has called you to do 
there's a burden that he's given you. Have you let it break your heart? So we receive the burden. Number two is this. We rely on God through prayer. The end of verse four says, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Listen, if it's big enough to cry about, then it's big enough to pray about. And here's the thing. Nehemiah, let it break his heart. He cried. He wept. He mourned. And if it's big enough to cry about, man, it's big enough to pray about. But here's what we do. A lot of times we go to God as the last resort because we think we know the best way to handle situations. We think that we can take care of it on our own. And when we finally get to the place where we realize we can't, then we go to God in prayer. How insulting is it to the creator of the universe that we go to him as a last resort instead of the first response? Instead of just taking it to him in prayer, from the get-go, we think, man, Dustin knows what to do. I got this. And then I realize I don't got this. Then I go to God, and I can just imagine he's just sitting there like, yep, go ahead, man. This this is going to be good. And then usually, and I'm just going to give some props to my wife, usually she's already beaten me like, hey, have you, have you prayed about this? What are you doing? Stop doing this. This is stupid. I think this is a bad idea. And I'm like, hey, leave me alone, right? For one, I'm a dude, and we're not wrong very often. And two, I know what I'm doing, and I got this. And then finally, it hits me. Like, Man, I, I need to go to God. But how insulting is it to him? Nehemiah prays about this like crazy. And we see throughout the book of Nehemiah that he continuously prays. He never stops. He never stops praying because he understands that prayer works. He understands that him plus God equals a majority. He understands that he can't do it on his own. And there's something that God has placed in you, a burden. And once you receive that and allow it to break your heart, your next step is to realize that you can't do it on your own and you rely on him through prayer. A God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present. A God who has placed a burden in you already. And you're like, man, I can't do it. There's nothing in me that is good enough to do what I feel like he's calling me to do. And I just want you to be encouraged this morning to know that if he's placed it inside of you, then he's already equipped you to do it. Just rely on him through prayer. But here's here's what I really love. And Nehemiah, I'm a big leadership guy. I'm I'm really big on leadership development. And I just study leadership like crazy. And Nehemiah is probably one of the best leaders that ever lived. And we're going to see that throughout this series. But he was just, he had a vision. He gathered people together. He knew when to act. He bathed everything in prayer. But this is what I love the most about him is that he didn't just continue to hold prayer meetings. And I'm not saying prayer meetings are bad. I'm saying that I think a lot of times we use prayer as an excuse not to do something. You say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to pray about it. And I'm going to keep praying about it. And I'm going to keep praying about it. 
I'm going to have another prayer meeting and another prayer meeting and nothing ever gets done because all we're doing is having prayer meetings. Prayer meetings are good and they're important. And Nehemiah, like I said, prays throughout this entire book. He never stops. But he doesn't just pray. And I think a lot of times we just want to get to this point. Maybe we let it in. Maybe we receive that burden and it breaks our heart. We begin to pray. And we begin to pray. And we begin to pray. And then we keep praying. And we keep praying. And then nothing ever changes because all we're doing is praying. And we're not doing what God's really called us to do. So Nehemiah, instead of just praying, this is number three. We have to rise up to act. And we see in Nehemiah chapter 2, starting in verse 2, it says this. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing as you were not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. So he throws up another little popcorn prayer. And in verse 5 it says this, and I answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servants has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. This is, this is the process of Nehemiah. He allows the burden in. He receives the burden and it breaks his heart. He begins to pray and fast and rely on God through prayer. And then we see that he goes to the king because he wants to rise up and act and to do something about the burden. So the city is torn apart, it's destroyed, the gates are burned, everything is just open and vulnerable. And Nehemiah says, hey, I know I can't do everything, but I can do something. And we have to get to a place in our relationship with Jesus where we say, hey, I know I can't do everything, but I can do something. What is the one thing you are calling me to do? Nehemiah says, hey, king, this is what I want. I want you to send me back home so that I can rebuild the wall. He rises up to act. And how many of us are doing what God has called us to do? See, Nehemiah says, hey, I'm not going to send someone else to do what God's called me to do. And I know that some of you have been around church for a long time. Some of you, this is maybe your first church that you've been to, but this is something that happens often in churches is that people complain about stuff not getting done when God's calling them to do it. How, have you, anybody ever seen that? Where God says, hey, I want you to go do this, but instead of me going to do this, I'm complaining that this isn't getting done. We're complaining that someone else isn't doing what God has called us to do. And Nehemiah says, nah, man. This is my burden. This is what God has called me to do. I know I can't do it on my own. I'm going to rely on him through prayer. And then I'm going to go to the king and I'm going to say, hey, send me because I'm going to rebuild the wall. He couldn't do it on his own. But he had to rise up and take a step. And some of you this morning, it's time for you to rise up and take a step. It's time for you to say yes to something this morning. Maybe you're living out your calling right now. 
Maybe you're already acting. You're already doing what God has called you to do. But maybe some of you, you need to receive the burden and let it break your heart. You need to rely on Him through prayer. And then you need to rise up and act. See, Nehemiah says, God has given me this burden. The God of heaven. And I can't just sit by and do nothing. He has what I like to call a Popeye moment. Not Popeye's chicken, the cartoon. And he has this Popeye moment where he says, hey, well, somebody's got to do something about it. It might as well be me. Right? Somebody's got to do something. It might as well be me. Who's going to do it? God's calling you to do something specific this morning. Are you doing it? Stop waiting for someone else to do what God has called you to do. This morning, it's time for you to say yes. It's time for you to say yes this morning. We're going to close with this, but my biggest question this morning is what breaks your heart? There's something. There's something that goes on in this world, that goes on in your community, that goes on at your work, that goes on at your schools, maybe that goes on at church, whatever it may be. There's something that breaks your heart. Have you allowed it in? Have you received the burden? And have you started to just bathe it in prayer? That's something that I've had to learn over my 35 years and something that I still struggle with. So I don't want you to think that I have it perfect because I don't. But I've had to learn that, yeah, I want to fix stuff, but I'm not the fixer. That God's the fixer. And I've had to learn to kind of take a step back and allow the, the prayer and the community with him to begin to work and to activate my next step. Instead of me just thinking that I have it all planned out and all right in my brain. Maybe some of you are in that place where you know the burden, you've let it in, and maybe you've tried to do some stuff on your own. Will you say yes this morning? And over the next three weeks, you're going to see that we have a lot of ministries here that you can say yes to. And if it's not your burden, then don't say yes to that. You say yes to serve where God is calling you to serve. But maybe some of you, you see that we have a ministry here in this city that feeds over 360 people a month and you want to get involved. They need volunteers. They need volunteers to help serve. Tuesday morning and Friday morning are their busiest days. And maybe God is calling you to step out and to serve in that area. Maybe that's your burden. You're going to hear about our next generation ministries here, our kids ministry, our youth ministry, and maybe that's your burden. Maybe you remember what it was like to be a kid and a teenager, and you think, man, if I would have just had someone, if I would have just had someone that could mentor me, someone that could show God's love to me, someone who could shepherd me, I would have been able to maybe skip some of these crazy decisions and bad times that I had. And you want to be that mentor, and you want to be that shepherd 
for the next generation. Maybe for you, you just, you know how it feels to come to a new church, come to a new place, and to just feel overwhelmed because of the newness. And you just feel burdened to make people feel welcome, and you want to serve on the first impressions team by just saying hey and good morning to someone. Maybe you don't really want to talk to anybody, but maybe your burden is you know that there's been worldly stuff that's happened inside churches and you have the training and the gifts to to stand by and be some type of security here for us so that everybody feels safe as we gather together. And that's your burden and that's the ministry that you want to say yes to. Or maybe it has nothing to do with Impact Church and it's something outside of here. Maybe it's social injustice that you see taking place and you want to stand up and to be bold and speak. And it's our responsibility as Christ followers to say yes to what He's calling us to do. What is your burden? Have you let it in? Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.